Good morning. Good morning. One more time. Good morning. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Thank you so much. It is just an honor to be here with all of you this morning. My name is Reverend Bernard Smith from the Bethlehem Baptist Community Church in Holyoke, Mass. And I bring greetings for um, our pastor, Pastor Paula E. Alexander. I am just honored to be here in the shoes where your pastor, Pastor Joe Green, walks. <laughs> so I count it an honor and a privilege to be here um, while he is away on, as you said earlier, a much needed vacation. Amen. It's good to vacation. Any vacationers in here? It's, it's, it's good to vacation. Amen. I really feel like my job here is already done and the scripture has been read so wonderfully by the children. I might fumble a little bit more than they did. Um, and the songs and the music ministry has been such a blessing um, for our theme here today. I'm going to ask, we just have a word of prayer, and then we're going to, if you don't tarry with me just a little while to read the scripture one more time. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give you more worship and praise. Father God, we thank you for all of the singing, all of the scripture reading that you have done this far in service for the offering, for the singers, for the musicians, and even for the children who are gone into another room. God, we thank you for your spirit. So, Father God, we ask right now that you anoint your servant afresh. Father God, that you give me clarity of speech, that you give me clearness of thought, that there be less of me and more of you. And God, I pray that the words that you give me fall on good ground where people are touched, people are healed, people are delivered, people are encouraged to run on a little while longer, that they have more strength than what they had when they came in. God, we know that you are still able to heal. So God, we heard that there are those who are standing in healing and in deliverance, God. But most of all, God, we need your presence and your power. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank God and amen. Amen. The scripture has been read, but if you don't mind if I read it one more time. I'll be coming from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 for our time together. I'll be reading from the CSB, so it reads a little bit differently, um, but it's all the word of God. It's just a different translation. Amen. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like the old former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan and to Galilee of, nations, of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you, and they rejoice at harvest time as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressors, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire." For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, 
and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So ends the reading of God's holy word. I'd like to talk to you this morning a little bit about a gracious promise. If I can put that as our title for our time together, a gracious promise. Amen. It may get a little bit loud. Just put something over your ear if I'm too loud. Um, and I'm going to try to walk around like Pastor Joe a little bit, and, um, but I'm just going to keep this here for stability. Amen. <laughs> a glorious promise. As we enter the most wonderful time of the year, sung by Andy Williams, it is ever most important that we are reminded of the importance of the gracious promise that God has provided for us. It is Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, which defines hope as a trust in, a waiting for, a look for, or a desire something or someone or to expect something beneficial in the future. This hope that has been promised is not a little something. It is not a concept or a thought, but the hope in which we believe and trust is in the incarnate Christ. It is here Isaiah, sometimes known as the eagle eye prophet, known as a major prophet, but not just based on his importance, but on his huge 66 books. Here, Isaiah is a prophet of God as he speaks on behalf of God. It is Andrew Hill and John Walton in their book of Survey of the Old Testament refer to him as a spokesperson or a mouthpiece for God. And here we see Isaiah doing what he's known to do. He was sharing with the people a prophecy, something that will come to pass. Not a wish that he shared, but something that he knows is on the way. He's not wishing them good luck. But on the contrary, Isaiah is speaking of what is secure and what can be trusted. Can I stop there for a second? I, I've learned, and I believe I'm not the only one here this morning, who has used the word hope opposite of what this scripture is telling us about. I have told someone that I hope you have a good day. I have told someone else, I, I, I hope that you get the job. It's really wishful thinking in what I'm saying. I, I hope things work out for you. I really don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm wishing you have some good luck. This is contrary to what is happening here. Isaiah is not wishing the people good luck. He's not saying, well, I, I hope it works out for you. No, but Isaiah is ever assured, he is ever secured, and he is ever teaching us that we must trust in God. 
If we had any witnesses today, there should be a few of us who could lift our hands and say, there were times where I didn't know which way to go, but I had to trust in, in God. And when I trusted in him, he promised that he would never leave us. He promised that he would never forsake us, that he will always be with us. That's something you can count on. It's better than E.F. Hutton. We can count on God because he's a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. We're going a little bit. So Isaiah continues in this text. He's speaking to King Ahaz since chapter 7. There has been some trouble in the land. Can I talk about it? Judah was in trouble. They were outnumbered by Israel, and now they had joined allegiance with Assyria. And they had decided that they were going to invade Judah. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 7 and 2 that when the people known the house of David that Aram had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. They weren't just a little scared. They were really scared. The threat that they had was real. But it wasn't just because of the army. They had been a people of disobedience. They have not always served God the way that they should. They had not always done what people of God should have done. I'm testifying right here. I haven't always done what God has called me to do. I haven't always gone where he's told me to go. I haven't always said what he's told me to say. I want us to think about that for a second. So the people were being attacked and they were dealing with some of their disobedience. But it's here we find ourselves parked and poised to recognize the actions of his gracious promise. It is God's grace is found profound here in the text. We see God as a, a Hebrew word, hesed. It's Hebrew for God being compassionate and merciful and kind and of goodwill. It shows God's attribute as a description of God's character. The grace that Judah was going to receive, the truth is they didn't deserve it. And the truth is, if he showed up right now, we don't deserve the grace that God provides for us. But thank, someone says, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. God provides them with grace. My first point, if I'll put it this way, that there are those in darkness that shall see a great light. It's the first verse in these seven verses. It's a great metaphor of contrast. There's so much to see. He, darkness and light. We see the former and we see the future. We see darkness as oppression and the light as liberation. Zebulon, Naphtali, and Galilee had seen some dark days. They have experienced being oppressed. They have experienced slavery they had experienced captivity, but there was still a future for them. 
That's hallelujah right there. We have to realize that we have been a people, not just disobedient, but we have been a people who've been through some tough times. We're a people who've been through some difficult times. I don't care where you're from. I don't care which pew you sit in. We have all been through some difficult times. And the truth be told, there may be someone here this morning who's dealing with some difficulties right now. But I want to let you know, but there's still a future for you. Just as there was for the people of Judah, there is still a future for you this morning because of the darkness and the light. If I can just jump forward to the New Testament, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And it says, as he saw, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Doesn't that make you think of this text? It shows us how God is a light and that light is still working. But if you talk to some of us, some of us may have our own Damascus Road experience. Maybe it's on West Street. Maybe it's on South Street. Maybe it's on Main Street. But we ran into this encounter with a bright light. And since we had that encounter with the light, we are no longer in darkness. But we are now blessed by the light of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are now blessed because Jesus has come into our life. And the truth is, we were all on the wrong road somewhere in our life. But God, with his infinite wisdom, showed up in our lives at the intersection. And now we can say we're believers. We can say now that we're lovers of God. We can say we're members of Second Baptist. We can say this and we can say that because God's light has changed our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's go a little bit further. It is here around verses 4 and 5. Isaiah switches the person in which he's talking with. No longer is he talking to someone about what God will do. No longer is he speaking to Ahaz, but now he speaks to Jehovah God. He is complimenting God. He is thanking God. He is worshiping God. Just like you've been all morning. His appreciation is directed to God alone. You don't believe me? It says it right here. It says, you, God, have enlarged the nation. You have increased its joy in such a way that the people rejoiced before you, you have shattered their oppressive yoke just as you have done in the days of Median. As believers in Christ, as we look of this gracious promise, we have to make sure that our eyes are on God. I know that your friend gave you this, but it was God who navigated that to happen. I know that they were able, I'm just testifying, I know that they were able to help me with my student loans, and, and I know they just weren't that giving. I know it was God working through them. And I love how they mentioned Midian. We know the story about Gideon, and, and, and I'm just going to fast forward to it. It wasn't the 32,000 that went down to 300. It was God that made it possible for him to defeat his enemies. You know, Gideon was like, I, I need some more men, and he kept cutting it down. And God said, I'm going to get to a number that they will realize it has nothing to do with you, that they will realize that if you win or when you win, that it was all me. And we have to realize that in our lives. 
It's very easy to, you know, we want to appreciate people. We appreciate our teachers, and, and we appreciate the people who have been in our lives, and our grandparents, and our parents, and, and friends, and cousins. And we always want to appreciate people who have walked with us and talked with us in this life. But in the midst of thanking God for everybody, we have to make sure we thank God for being God. We have to thank God for making a way out of no way. We have to thank God because when we look back all over our lives, we know that there's no way that we could have did it if it wasn't for God. There is no way I could have made it through that sickness if it hadn't been for God. There is no way there would have been the reconciliation between a parent and a child or a family if it had not been for God. But when's the last time we thanked him? When's the last time we just say, thank you, God? I know Thanksgiving was just a couple days ago, but can we just say, thank you, God? Because you did this. It's been your mercy. It's been your hesed. It's been your compassion that you've had for me. I often say when I was tore up from the floor up, he still loved me. But the scripture said when I was yet in sin, he still loved me us. Isn't that good news this morning? And knowing Gideon, who was an unlikely hero, he had unfavorable odds, but he was chose because he would be obedient to God. I love an underdog story. I don't know about you. I love it when you have uh, Michigan for this, at, at this last couple of days who played and, and someone, I, I, I got a team member over there. Okay, Michigan's in the house. Uh, you, when, when you have a team that everyone says there's no way that they can beat them and they win it. I was shocked with the, the Cowboys game, but anyway, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. What I'm saying is it's important to know that there are situations, again, that only God can turn around. I'm going to ask you right now just to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to think of an underdog story that's closer than you may think. I don't want you to think about a sports team. I want you to think about your situation. I want you to think about when you didn't know if you were going to make it. You didn't know if your children were going to make it. You didn't know how you were going to pay the bills. But you found out that God who has no respect to person made a way out of no way. The odds were against you, but you're still here. It seemed like there was no more food in the cabinets, but you were still able to eat. It seemed like you had more months than money, but you were still able to pay your bills on time. And when you didn't have the money, you got an extra grace period that they said they weren't going to mess up your credit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Open your eyes and just think about it and thank God of how he's so good and he's so gracious. So here we see in verse 6, as we just walk through the passage, verse 6 is probably one of the most familiar passages often sung about and quoted at this time of the year. And we come to this conclusion even though I was reading from the CSB, it's the New King James Version that I have memorized since I was a kid. It said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Here we see this messianic message. A child is born, and a son is given. The promise to Judah is real simple. It won't always be like this. The promise to Judah is even though you have been disobedient, my grace is sufficient. Even though you have not always done what I've asked you to do, I'm still sending hope your way. Not wishful thinking. Not hoping you have a better day, but knowing without a shadow of a doubt that who is coming is better than what you've been through. Here we see that liberation will come from an odd place. Liberation will come in the form of a baby born through the Virgin Mary. Sounds unbelievable. Sounds something that the comic books are made of or one of the Marvel movies are made of. Who would believe that this virgin child would give birth to the savior of the world? But it's true. It's true. You know the backstory. That's how they start the Marvel movie. There's a, there's a backstory to the, because here in Isaiah, he prophesies that this is going to happen. And we know in 2022 that Jesus it's already been here in heaven with his father on the right hand, but know that he is coming back. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news that he's coming back, not just for Second Baptist, not just for Bethlehem Baptist, not just for First Cathedral, not for this church, but he's coming back for the big C. He's coming back for a people who have chosen to live for him and, and to die for him and to sacrifice for him and believe on him. I know we live in a day that is really challenging of where your faith is. Let's be honest this morning. We're troubled, Scripture says, on every side. Our children who are in the other room, they are bombarded with things, and I don't think I'm that old, but I am old. Uh, the youth are challenged with things that I was never challenged with at 14 or 15. They can just go online and find all types of stuff. They don't even have to look for it. It, it searches them out. It knows their address. And there's challenges of who you believe and who do you think you are and why would you believe that and why do you hang with them and why do you do this or that? But Jesus is coming back for a people. He will empower us to stand and be a church that is God proud, Amen. that we not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've done some stuff that I'm ashamed of. I've done some stuff, honestly, that I hope that none of you ever find out about. I'm so glad he cast it into a sea of forgetfulness to never bring it up anymore. Maybe I'm just alone this morning. But what I found out in that is that if I stay with him, not only will he strengthen me, but he will shelter me. He'll shelter me from the, the fiery darts of the enemy. He'll, he'll shelter me from the naysayers. He'll shelter me from things. That I might get, feel the fire a little bit, but he will not allow me to burn. That God is able to do this. 
And here in this liberation of the baby born to the Virgin Mary, he was given to us. Mm -hmm. And he was not given to us from an absentee mother or from a far away father, but he was given to us by a God who loves us and loved him. John 3.16, we all know, for God so loved the world. Not that he had a party, but that he gave his only begotten son for one reason. So whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I want to leave you with knowing today that this gracious promise is still available. It didn't end. It hasn't stopped. But it's still available to us, and we have to make sure that we have hope in him. I've hoped in some things that didn't pan out. I hoped on some teams that didn't work out. I hoped in some people that didn't act the way I wanted them to work. I hoped in some relationships that I'm no longer in. I hoped on some jobs that closed down. I hoped that some group that I was a part of would be prosperous, but it fizzled out. I hoped in a whole lot of things, but it wasn't until I hoped in Jesus. The, hopes, the hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. On Christ, not the sandy, not the rocky, but the solid rock, I stand. All other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. Let us pray. Father, We thank you for our time together. We're reminded of the gracious promise that you have provided for us. God, at this moment, whether they're in this house or in their house watching online, there may be someone who needs to get to know you, who needs to be in right relationship with you. It is Romans 10 and 9. That says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. There may be one in here. And Father, for those of us who are saved, help us to have a loved one, a friend, a family member on our mind who needs to know you. Father, you're not restricted by this space. You're not restricted by time. So, Father God, I know that you have always met the people where they are. So, Father, I'm asking right now that you touch, that you deliver, that they come into relationship with you. And, God, I'm asking this Advent season that you help the people under the sound of my voice. Help us to come closer to you. Help us to walk in step with you. Help us to never give up. 
have us to have hope in you. And God, as we have hope, we say thank you. We thank you for your gracious, for your love, for your steadfast love. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us. And we're thankful and hopeful that you will be coming back for us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen.